This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Nervous? Yes. First time? No, I've been nervous lots of times. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I've never been one to go all in for fads, but I think this cell phone thing might actually stick. Did you know you can listen to podcasts on them? Get this, for free! So what is my five bucks a week to OG been paying for? Well, I'm going to deal with him soon, but today I'm listening intently because we're talking about financial mistakes. How do you overcome horrible setbacks? We'll tackle that with today's guests, including from the Fire Drill podcast, Gwen Mertz, plus from this podcast, OG, and rounding out our team from LenPenzo.com, it's Chris Pratt, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just kidding. He's too busy guarding the galaxy. It's just Len Penzo. Plus, in our Friday FinTech segment, do any seniors in your life have life insurance laying around that they don't need? From Mason, we welcome Felix Stenmeyer. But of course, that's not all. We'll answer a bloom call for help and debate my amazing trivia. And now, the guy who can't stop taking selfies with his cat. How do you take a selfie with a cat? Huh. Anyway, Joe Salciha. Isn't that what life is about? Taking selfies with your cat? Come on. You know you want to. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Salciha, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And what a lineup we have for you today. And we're going to start across the card table from me where the one and only OG sits. Right after eating. Yeah, yeah. Finishing my pasta jambalaya, which I managed to scarf down. During the intro. Pasta so. jambalaya at 4.30 in the morning is just... Oh, it's crazy good. <laughs> it's, yep. just, it's the breakfast of champions. It's way better than coleslaw. Speaking of champions, the champion far under Los Angeles, California, from LenPenzo.com, it's Mr. Penzo. Joe, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, man? How's life in the bunker today? It's nice and cool here. Love it. You know, underground, cool, 55, steady degrees, no air conditioning needed. Like a wine cellar. It is like a wine cellar. Yes, it is. It's the perfect, what do they call it? What do they call them in the old days? Cold rooms or something like that? Wouldn't it be great if we just podcast from the wine cellar? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the 12-Step Program Podcast. I'm Joe Salcihai. (laughs) <laughs> this place, you know, this podcast usually sounds like it's taking place in a wine cellar. At least totally the, the the participants are nipping at the wine. Exactly. I'm wondering what the hell she's doing here from the Fire Drill podcast. We finally have her back. Gwen Mertz. I'm back. Oh, property values up, guys. <laughs> Raising them on up Absolutely. by my mere presence. Thanks, Gwen. So tell the two listeners that don't know about the awesome Fire Drill podcast what it's all about. Yeah, we uh, are a financial independence podcast. We talk to a variety of fascinating people who have really good side hustle stories on their way to hastening their path to financial independence. So we talk to people all the way from mystery romance novel writers to people who dumpster dive. I was thinking the other day, OG, if our podcast was about anything, it'd be about financial independence. I was thinking if our podcast would be about anything, it would be about uh, mystery romance. Len's thinking it's about dumpster diving. You got it, bro. You know what, though, Gwen? <laughs> you don't have to dumpster dive for stamps. You know why? Because Stacky Benjamins is supported by stamps.com. 
With stamps.com, you can access all of the services of the post office right from your desk. That was so bad. Right now, <laughs> use SB for this special offer. A four-week trial. Are you sitting down? A four-week trial includes postage and a digital scale where you can... It doesn't have to just be postage, Len. You can uh, weigh the honeybee. You could. You know what I do? I don't use a postage scale. I just uh, I just get on my my bathroom scale without the envelope, and then I get <laughs> on the bathroom scale with the envelope, and I use the difference, and that's how I figure out how much my envelopes. And there it is. Len is overpaying for postage. <laughs> this is why I had to get bigger. I had to get bigger <laughs> envelopes. OG. Oh, you know, to fit all the stamps. Go to stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in SB. That's stamps.com, enter SB. And by the way, we're not going to charge stamps.com for that extra commentary, <laughs> which, which is lucky for them. I feel like I should say that was a very slick transition into that ad, but I mean, they're postage stamps, so it's kind of like sticky. <laughs> it was very sticky. <laughs> Also, we're brought to you by Magnify Money, <laughs> Gwen, because the average person who goes to Magnify Money, I don't know if you know this, Gwen, they say 450 bucks. because when you walk into your bank and you just say, what's that savings account you got or that checking account you got? You're comparing against nothing when you could compare against the best ones in the universe. Over 92% of all of the stuff out there is on Magnify Money. Stuff is the technical term, by the way. Whether it's, <laughs> whether it's the checking account, the savings account, consolidation loans, getting your act together by going for a 0% interest credit card, one of those rollover credit cards, or if you pay off your bill in full, like you should, maybe playing the reward point game. Nick from Magnify Money says that if you get less than 2%, you're leaving money on the table. Uh, that's stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. All right. We are magnifying a headline here in just a second. I don't know what that means. <laughs> But let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. All right. You survived the first segment of the show, Gwen. <sighs> I need to drink more. That's right. And drinking it. I wasn't prepared. Drinking at 430 in the morning, too, is so rough. You can't drink all day unless you start before noon. <laughs> That's the rule, Looks isn't it? I like you. Our first piece comes to us from the Happy Philosopher blog, How to Make Financial Mistakes and Still Achieve Financial Freedom. I love this piece. It says, I love to read blogs about personal finance, especially as they relate to financial independence and early retirement. When I was going through burnout very early in my radiology career, much of the inspiration, tools, and tactics I used came from stories of ordinary people living their life a bit differently. I noticed something, though. They were all better than me. They were more frugal, better at keeping a budget, running spreadsheets, better at travel hacking, better at not burning out from their job, and better at being happy. You feel that way sometimes, Gwen, when you read financial blogs? Because you read financial blogs quite a bit. I would say, when don't I feel like that would be a better question. Yeah. I mean, this whole fear of missing out. like FOMO is huge. But seriously, does it sometimes deflate you? Do you think I could be doing a bunch better? Yeah, absolutely. Especially now when I don't have a job, I see people stashing away money in their 401k, and I'm like... Oh, I don't do that anymore. Oh, that hurts. Len, do reading 401k, <laughs> reading 401k yeah, yeah, statements. Have, have another drink, Joe. Yeah, where the heck is that going? <laughs> Where's that question going? It, it, Joe's it, from the wine cellar. Reading, reading blogs, uh, motivate or demotivate you? It goes both ways. You know, Some sometimes they demotivate me because I'm like, why didn't I think of that? You know, I, I blew it. But then uh, other times they motivate me like uh, this one, this piece particularly motivated me. And I must say it was I loved it. I thought it was well written. I love pieces that are well written and they have a nice twist to them. So uh, I don't know if I want to spoil the twist or not of this piece. I guess I'll, we're going to have to if we're going to talk about it. Well, in just a second, OG, when uh, you read a blog back in 2007, did it motivate or demotivate you? Well, when I read it, it was called a web log. That's what we were doing back then. We were creating documentation of stuff on the internet. I'm with Len. You know, it can go both ways, right? I mean, it's the whole concept of contentment. We were talking about that offline, Joe, you and I were about, you know, when is enough enough? We just got back from a vacation in Florida and the panhandle and the beach. And you look at these homes and you go, my goodness, they're beautiful. And they're $3 million. And then you go down a street and you go, well, this house is beautifuler and it's $8 million and you go, you know, it's like, when do you go uncle? 
you know, I mean, not that I'm crying, not crying uncle at 3 million, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, I cried uncle at the, you know, 200 and IVRVO. But my point is, is that if you're not careful, you can always spend more. Yeah. It's almost, I think that's a big piece of the fire movement. Don't you think Gwen is deciding when is it enough? Yeah, actually. And funnily enough, I have a post that's exactly that. It's called when is, when is enough enough? And there's never a good place to stop. There's always somebody that's going to be doing better than you and spending more and having a better life and better house and better saving tactics and whatever else you can think of. There's somebody out there doing it better than you, but you shouldn't let that demotivate you. Instead, you should be inspired and want to compete with them and be like, oh, well, if that guy can do that, then I totally can do that. I might be actually be able to do it better. Is that a reason then I think when to, to read more? Cause I think the more I read blogs, the more I realized these were just normal people. Like initially I thought there were people with capes and big uh, Superman, you know, logo on their chest. And as I read their, their blogs more and more, I realized these are just regular human beings who just one day said I've had enough. You know, it's actually really interesting. That's my favorite part about going out to these community gatherings that we have, these fire gatherings, because then you meet them and you're like, whoa, they're just a normal person who puts their pants on one leg at a time like me. No way. Len, how about you? You put your pants on one leg at a time? I do, but I put them on my head. Yeah. So it's really, it's, it doesn't work out too often. Do you like these things that he said he did wrong in this blog, Len? Do I like the things that he did, that he said he did wrong? Yes, I liked all of them. I thought he made great points on all of them. Yes. I picked a career I burn out from. Anybody do that one? I haven't, but, but I'll, I'll tell you what, this guy, let's say the, the guy is a radiologist. He's a doctor a, a radi- of radiology. So, yeah. so we're talking about this guy's picked, you know, one of the super careers. And I was really shocked. Eight years and he was burnt out. The fallback position for him that he could handle was he went to work after I think he said he turned to age 40, he went to work and he only worked part time, which probably meant he was only making 200,000 a year instead of 400 or half million dollars a year. But, but, you know, that's kind of nice. So, you know, he was able to fall back on that position. He only bought new cars. Anybody make that mistake? Nope. Can't, nope. Can't buy, can't buy used ones. Oh, I was going to say, I've done <laughs> not white trash. I have done. <laughs> 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 what are you calling me white trash? Because I'm not never it's bought a joke. new car. It's it's from it's it's a it's a thing from Louis C.K. It's funny. Ah, uh, yeah, that's. I bought. He talks bought, about he talks about having a plane. I bought my first new car fifty years old. Until then, it was nothing but used cars. I went the opposite was, way. I went new cars and then flipped to used cars later on. Once I got smart, it took me a while to get there. Yep. Well, so what are you saying? You went the other so direction. <laughs> Lens. What the heck did you just say there, Joe? I'm, I'm becoming stupider. Len's losing his marbles. <laughs> the hell are you thinking, Len? I don't know. Uh, went from a two to one household income, buying individual stocks, thinking I was smarter than the market. Uh, they don't budget. They outsource a lot of stuff. They don't sell their stuff. Doesn't spend as much time optimizing recurring expenses. We had kids. And then... <laughs> And then it is a major, major mistake (laughs) for some people, huh? Is is, is this the twist you like, Len? Yes. The twist. Can I say what it was? Yes. It was the exact same things he got wrong. He got right. So the fact that he picked a career in medicine, radiology was, was correct. The fact that he bought a new car, that was a right move. And let me give you an example on the car because people will say, well, you bought a new car. I mean, that's the stupidest thing in the world. Right, Joe? But the guy over over 20 years, he bought three new cars and I think he, it came out to $100,000 or something. But I mean, he held those cars for a lengthy periods of time, 13 years, 16 years. And I forget what the other one was. So if you buy and that's exactly what I did with my first new car. Hold it as long as you hold it 10 or 11 years. There's nothing wrong with that. If you like that new car smell, that's how you can do it. The problem is when you buy and then you sell that new car after several years. What's the big point here, Gwen, when he takes this stuff and turns it on its head? Well, I like that he does that. You know, the big point is that even though he's made these mistakes, he's still going to retire by the time he's 50. Like he's made all these financial mistakes and he's still going to achieve financial freedom. I like OG that they were also a lot of these were lessons. Like he's like, okay, I did that. I'm glad I did it because it helped me figure out stuff like making the mistake doesn't mean that it's fatal. Okay. (laughs) 
Yes. You are absolutely right, Joe. Yes. Good well, Joe, I know. I'm asking great open-ended questions. Well, no, but it's not I'll jump in here. So it's not as if he made a mistake. Maybe they weren't. They're not mistakes. You know, it's all how you handle things. It's how you handle your personal finances is different for everyone, right? And personal finance is personal for a reason. So the fact that he went from one two incomes to one income, for example, sure, when he went from two incomes to one income, he lost some money, couldn't make as much money for his household. But he made it up in other ways. He made it up in by lower taxes. He got rid of commuting costs. He had lower childcare expenses. So it's in a way, it's again going back to it's kind of how you look at things, isn't it? Don't be so hard on yourself and beat yourself up. No, it really is. Cause OG, you see this all the time. Somebody, how many times has somebody said to you, oh yeah, I was in stocks at one point. I got burned. So I don't use stocks in my portfolio anymore. Or I wish that I would have done this 20 years ago, or I would like to compare myself against the other 45 year olds that you know of in your practice and other places that you've heard of. How am I doing compared to them? In some respects, comparison helps because it can be a motivator. But like Len, like you said, at the end of the day, your goals are your goals. Your money is your money. And how you behave and how you want things to go for your family is going to be different than how I do it for mine. And that's okay. You know, some people want to take their kids to Disney every year and it costs oodles of money and that's fine. But they're going to maybe make a different choice later on. Maybe they're not going to do the one big trip every 10 years. They're just doing all these smaller little ones. And there's nothing right or wrong about any of those. What's your favorite uh, thing that he got right, Gwen? Hmm. I really like the house one. Yeah, he bought a bigger house than he needed, but he didn't keep buying newer and bigger houses. He stayed in that bigger than they needed, but not obsessively ridiculous house. You know, he says that he could have bought a, a bigger, nicer, newer house in a fancy zip code, but instead he just went a little crazy, not a lot crazy. You did that, didn't you, Len? Did what? <laughs> Wait, so, what happened? So Was somebody talking? I, I'm sorry, I had a beer bottle in my we ear. To, <laughs> we, we had to wake up Uncle Len for the show. <laughs> you know, Len, that the beer bottle is supposed to go in your mouth, right? Not your ear? I'm sorry. I was reading. I knew you were going to ask me a hard question, Joe. And I was reading the, I was going over the things he got right in case Gwen, you asked me that. Gwen was saying that uh, she likes the fact that he bought a little bit crazy house, but then he didn't keep buying houses. He bought one house and he stayed there for a long time. And then I said, you did that, didn't you? Because <laughs> no, no, seriously, you talked about a house that you said that you could, you kind of stretch that you could afford to be there. And then as your pay went up over time, uh, you were able to afford it more and more. Am I wrong? Yes. Was that you? No, you're, that was me. Yes, it was, but it's really a modest house, which shows you <laughs> it's a modest house. But yes, at the time we were eating beans and rice for, for probably a year to two years just so we could make the darn uh, house payment, but, but it's paid off because we still have the house and thank, you know, the wonders of refinancing, you know, you could lower, the, lower your mortgage rates over the years. So uh, yeah, it worked out. I, I think beans and rice are Gwen's two food groups, aren't they? <laughs> oh No. No, 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 no. No beans for me. No, no, no. Lentils. Lentils are where it's at. Where have you been, Joe? Come on. <laughs> the, I'm, I'm so far behind. I'm sorry. I'm so 2011. Isn't, lent, apparently. isn't lentil a bean? Isn't that a bean? Yeah, but I always think of like <laughs> kidney beans and stuff, you know? Lentils are the, the good stuff. The hip bean. Oh. Come on. The hip, hipster the stuff. Thing. Yeah. yeah. The, thing. Oh, the new thing. Len, what do you like that he got right? I honestly liked them all. I, I've all. I'm on the record. I liked all of them. But if I had to pick one, I like use credit cards for almost everything because I do. And and it's not the fact that he he said he doesn't use it for hacking, but I mean he uses it to get his cash back and his miles and and uh, you know he just he takes advantage of that credit card for for his bonuses. So that's a great a great way to make a little extra on the side. As long as you pay those cards off at the end of every month. I love this general principle, OG. Put a lot of time into big decisions because change is expensive. Big decisions are really where your money's at. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, anything that's a revocable choice, you know, a changeable decision, those you can kind of make pretty quickly. But when you get to those big life-altering decisions like home purchase or when do I claim Social Security or which pension option do I pick in retirement or something like that, those are going to be the ones you want to really spend a lot of time on because, you know, being wrong with that is can be catastrophic. Yeah. 
Biggest takeaway from the piece? We'll give Gwen the last word. Uh, Len, how about you? Biggest takeaway, big takeaway? What might be the right move for one person could be the wrong move for another, or you can, and you can learn from your mistakes. So even in things that you did do wrong, you can do the exact same thing, learn from your mistakes and make the exact same decision. OG? There's no such thing as mistakes. There are only lessons. Nice. Gwen, you've got the last word. You can come back from a mistake. It's not the end of the world. One thing that always frustrated me was when I saw these uh, senior citizens that had insurance policies that were collapsing. OG, have you seen that very often? Yes. Occasionally. So, yeah. Comes up. Like whole life and UL and stuff like that. Yeah. Some agent a long time ago did this projection thing and it's not working out at all like they said it was going to. And the insurance is collapsing. They can't afford to put money into it. My favorite is when you bring that to the client's attention and they don't believe you. Oh, that's. Oh, no. They said this lasts till 95. Yeah. It's like, well, we just got off the phone with principal. They said if you don't make any extra premiums, it's going to lapse by the time you're 63. No, no. He said it was 95. I had a friend and a few listeners tell me about this new company, Mason. So in our Friday FinTech segment, we're going to introduce you to Mason. They will buy those policies before they lapse from you. So something that was going to crash and burn, maybe some senior that you know can get some money. So let's say hello to Felix Stenmeyer from Mason. And Felix walking down the stairs. How are you, man? I'm well, I'm well. How about you? Well, Thanks I'm gl- so much for having me here. Well, sure. I'm glad you could join us in the basement to talk a little bit about Mason Finance. So I love hearing origin stories. When you decided to work on Mason, how did you get started? Yeah, it was a, it was a total coincidence. We just fell from one thing to another. Uh, we were originally working on something completely else. So as my co-founder and I, Charles, we were together here in school. And we wanted to build a jewelry marketplace. We wanted to help women sell their jewelry. And <laughs> Wait a yeah. minute. Women's jewelry yeah. to, to helping seniors with more money. Exactly. Well, the you know the idea was that the women own a lot of jewelry in the U.S. and that they can't really sell it except for through the jeweler and they don't really get what it's worth. Right. And they own a lot of jewelry. So we did this website and... We just like turned the ads up, you know, all, all the way everywhere. And suddenly I was speaking on the phone nearly only with elder women, like women in their 70s, 80s. And uh, they had some engagement ring from some guy that they gotten divorced with 20 years ago and just wanted to get rid of it. But they didn't want to get a bad price for it. So they've been sitting on it for decades and they thought that we'd be a good way to sell it. That was not a good business, but we realized that there were a lot of seniors, um, a lot of people online that... We're looking to, you know, get some money for the assets. Because you don't sell that stuff. I mean, jewelry has a very emotional value. So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking you don't sell that stuff unless you're really hurting for cash. So you're seeing a lot of people hurting for money then, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. And that's how we found out that 50% or so of seniors in the U.S. are economically vulnerable. They're economically insecure. And nearly one, one in five seniors is at or below the poverty line. And through a classmate of mine, a friend of mine, I found out that in the U.S. you can sell your life insurance, uh, that you own own it like your house or car. But the only people that can sell their life insurance are uh, are seniors, people above the age of 65. A couple of reasons why that is. So one thing came to another and they were like, hey, Americans every year, 8, 90% don't know that they can sell their life insurance. And then B, they lose $112 billion every year in insurance that they should have sold but didn't sell. And we're like, wow, this is a huge potential what, source of, of income for people in America. What do you mean, Felix, that they lose that money? Yeah, great question. So uh, they lapse it. Ah. Uh, so when you lapse your policy, you essentially, you stop paying for it. That means that the life insurance company just takes it away. And then you lose all the money you paid into it, plus all coverage. But you could have sold it. So instead of getting zero dollars, you could get, you know, tens of thousands, depending on your policy. The average policy today, the average person that loses their policy should have gotten $40,000 when they get zero. And you have over a million people every year making that mistake in America alone. Holy cow, that is crazy. So let's go through this. 
somebody has a life insurance policy, generally speaking, I suppose these are permanent life insurance policies, like a whole life policy or a universal life policy? Exactly. So prime candidate for over like 90% of the policies sold today are universal life, even though term life can also be sold. They just have to be converted first. Um, it's an easy thing. It's a one phone call, one, one form, and it's converted. Got you. Okay. So you're saying that somebody has a term life policy now that might lapse. It might have a, might be able to flip, be flipped over to the universal, which exactly. is, which is, I suppose what you want because you want it to be permanent. So it's around when they pass away. Exactly. So the, the way it works is super simple. Let's say you have a life insurance policy. You don't want it or need it anymore. You can't afford it. It doesn't make sense to have it anymore. And instead of lapsing it, just getting nothing for it, you could sell it to an investor. And the largest uh, largest buyers and holders of policies today are Warren Buffett and other large institutional investors, big banks, uh, private equity uh, shops, places like those. Which I'm sure surprises a lot of people listening, Felix, that a guy like Warren Buffett is in this same industry. Uh, yeah, well, Warren Buffett loves insurance, right? Right. Uh, Gecko, it's whatnot. It's nearly all insurance. And uh, this industry is called the life settlement industry, and it's just uh, another li- life insurance product being sold, this time not from a company to a person, but from a person to a company. I'd imagine that longevity has a lot to do with this, like people living longer and longer. So it becomes more of a struggle to keep up with the payments on your life insurance. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, that's a key point. So a lot of people enter their retirement at 65 or so, and they find out that, A, they're going to live much longer than they thought they were going to live um, and that they have less money than they thought they were going to have. And then their life insurance policy is more expensive suddenly than they thought (laughs) because life insurance companies increase the premiums. Um, these are known as cost of insurance increases. Some cynical people say they try to squeeze out uh, seniors so that they don't have to pay on the, those policies. Well, I don't even know if it's that, if it's the insurance company being evil. I do remember when I was in that business, though, seeing a lot of insurance agents that would use these illustrations, they call them, to sell policies. And illustrations are full of these assumptions, which are usually baloney. And what the agent usually hoped for (laughs) was that the agent's long, long gone, right? Doing something else. They got their money. They're out of it. So when the policy explodes, Felix, they're nowhere around. So exactly. I don't know if it's as much the insurance company as it is the agent that might be the problem. Yeah, that's another big problem. You know, the people, they buy a policy 40 years ago, you know, they buy it in their late 20s. And now they're 65. That agent, when they when he sold it, was, you know, 40. He's right. like 80. He's clearly not working anymore. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do? Policy working differently than you had hoped, and you find out about it way too late. Uh, how does it work? So I go to, let's walk through the step-by-step. I go to masonfinance.com then, and uh, tell me about what I do if I'm looking to at least look into selling my policy. What happens? Yeah, very simple. You just go you go on the website and then there's the get estimate button. Oh, it's a big um, it, I'm, you, I'm I'm here right yeah. now. I'm sorry, but I'm on my computer and I can see get your estimates, the big button right in the exactly. middle of the site. All right. That's the button you gotta hit. Hard to miss. We wrote get your estimate on it. So <laughs> right. then you can type in, you know, just some key information like your age or your parents' age if you're doing this for, you know, for your parent or your grandparents. How far can I go through this? While we're talking, how far can I go through it before you guys start uh, looking? In other words, can I kind of go through it while we're talking a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I just clicked on it. It says, hi, I'm Cindy, and I'll be guiding you today. Cindy, Mm -hmm. very nice lady. Nice face. Good smile. Yeah. Uh, Let's find out. First, how old are you? I'm going to say I'm 71 years old. And then it says, uh, what's your policy payout? Now, what is is policy payout? Is that the death benefit? Yes. Got exactly. it. Okay. So let's say it's a uh, 150,000 bucks mm-hmm. and you're going to have to go in later and tell them this was all fake. How would you describe your health? I'm I, I, either healthy, minor conditions or serious. Yeah, uh, I do. I do minor conditions here. Usually people at that age have something going on minor conditions are things like diabetes or so, you know, hypertension. Okay. And then I'll click on Texas where I live and uh, Texas. And then it says, what's your email? So then I assume once I give you my email, then you send me back the next step. Well, so you go, you type in your email and your phone number. Um, we, of course, won't use that for any other reasons, but to reach out to you if your policy has value. And actually, at the end of this, at the end of this like estimate flow, you, we'll tell you right away whether we think that your policy has any value or not. 
got it. I'm not going to fill in this stuff because, because yeah. if I do, then you'll call me enough to say I'm a liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll, it'll tell you, it'll tell you what the policy, what we think it's worth. And then, um, we'll call you and uh, get some little bit additional information. Then we can get you a real offer. And essentially from the time I fill this out, which obviously we just did it here, you and I, uh, sitting at the table, if we're doing it, if this takes like five minutes, uh, for this yeah. part, uh, how long is it from the time that I first reach out to the time that I can get a check from Mason Finance? With us, it's only a few weeks at most. Okay. Um, if you do this the traditional way, which is the old way, it takes months. The average speed a day to sell your policy is somewhere between two to four months. The reason is that nobody else is using technology to make this easier and faster. By doing it all online, you don't have to pay for any of the middlemen. Uh, you can get a quote right then and there, and it makes it all a lot faster and easier. Also, for a lot less interaction needed on your end to like figure out what it's worth and how to sell it. And can you give me any ideas about how much money people are looking at when they sell policies, or is it all over the board? Yeah, it depends on your age and your health status, but on average, people get about twenty-two percent of the face value, so the death benefit of the policy. So, uh, so if you have a million-dollar policy, you get around two hundred twenty grand on average. Which, which, by the way, in a lot of these policies, if they were to even try to cash them in, they'll have a lot less money than that. Yeah. So uh, exactly. So if you cash it in with with your life insurance company, when you when you sell it, you usually get somewhere between four to ten times more money than if you had turned it in back to the life insurance company. Is there any danger? I mean, I'm sure you have some disclosures and things about you know make sure you don't need this policy anymore. Like I would feel, <laughs> I would feel bad somebody selling their policy and then six weeks later deciding they actually needed it. Yeah. You know, if you're about to lapse your policy, you should sell it. That's a total no brainer. You only have two choices, either $0 or uh, whatever you can sell it for. Yeah. Right. If the policy still makes sense for you to maintain, you want to keep it as part of the inheritance, you know, it doesn't really affect your quality of life and your uh, standard of living by maintaining it, then you should. We don't think that you should sell your policy unless you and unless it makes a lot of sense. Well, I know, um, I know, I know you and I talking before this when I first met you, you were talking about this is just the first step of what you guys are doing. You're really trying to become a much bigger part of of helping seniors with longevity issues. Talk about that where yeah. you guys are headed ultimately. Yeah, great, great question. So you know, this life, this like lifestyle ministering life insurance policy is just one of many products that people above the age of 65 need. Uh, these are also known as retirement finance products like annuities, long-term care, et cetera. And um, in all these industries, you have to pay a lot of commissions to middlemen. And then this, this is money that's missing in your retirement. If you just go online and direct, you don't have to pay for any of the middlemen or only one instead of three. Essentially, you just get a lot more for your money and it's easier to maintain um, and it's much more, much more friendly for somebody in that age group. Well, it's exciting what you're working on. And obviously you're working with people that really need help, Felix. So thanks for everything that you're doing. Of course. Uh, it is the site's masonfinance.com. We'll have a link on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Felix, thanks for hanging out a bit. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And before I get to today's trivia... I thought more about this whole cell phone thing, and while I can wrap my head around angry birds, now there's a fad that's not going to die, I'm pretty sure it's a safe idea to keep your landline operational. In fact, old Doug is not only not going to get caught the fool when everyone gets tired of having a phone everywhere they go, I'm buying up rotary phones to sell when the trend comes back. It's like Jordache jeans and hairstyles from Flock of Seagulls and InSync. Everything comes back, so why not rotary phones? Brilliant. Speaking of phones, how about your trivia question? In what year and month was the first iPhone released? I'll have the answer as soon as these knuckleheads start applying some new math to this here story problem. These days, you can get practically anything on demand. You're getting our podcast right now on demand. Listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. Did you know you can even get postage on demand? All you need, of course, is stamps.com. 
Stamps.com is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All you have to do is click, print, mail, and bam, you're done. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale so you can not only use that for your mail, you can use that for all the crazy things that you do in your basement. Doug loves our digital scale, and I often wonder what the heck he's doing, but we don't ask. But for you, you probably just want to weigh your letters and packages and print the exact amount of postage every time so you don't go over. We've used stamps.com to send out our books and giveaway items to people that win our lovely contests here in the basement. So right now, use SB for this special offer. A four-week trial, including postage and the digital scale. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in sb that's stamps.com enter sb stacky benjamins is also excited to be affiliated with magnify money you know how often we talk about magnify money and the reason isn't because they sponsor the show we ask them to sponsor the show because we love and use personally magnify money i was talking to a friend at lunch again this last week and he was talking about his savings account that he needed to listen to our show and i said well yeah you you could listen to our show that'd be nice you'd be the third listener but why don't you just go to magnifymoney.com in fact Use our link so that Nick and the gang know that we sent you stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And I just went there. Let's take a look today at what savings accounts are paying, shall we? So I click on magnify money. I click on savings accounts. And by the way, if you've never been there before, you'll see that there's tons of things I can compare. I can look at 0% credit cards. I can look at cashback reward cards. I can look at consolidation loans. I can look at student loan consolidations. I can look at auto loans. I can look at checking accounts, savings accounts, whatever it is, it's right there. And right now, uh, number one is PurePoint Financial, $10,000 minimum deposit, but it pays 1.9% and they get a grade of C when it comes to the fine print score. I really like the Magnify Money fine print score. So let's say that I don't have $10,000 or I don't like that much fine print. I just go down. The second one is Salem 5 Direct, where it gets a grade of B on their savings account. Minimum deposit there is only a penny and it's 1.85. Of course, it includes user reviews that I can click on and more. Super easy to use in all the different ways that you use it. Magnify Money is the number one place to go to compare, ditch, switch, and save. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money when you go there. And you too can save $450 on those financial products you use every day. All right, backstage, while Doug was giving us the trivia, we explained, Gwen, the rules. It's a very serious game, Gwen. Very very serious. I'm thinking very, very, very very hard about it. Yeah, the whole podcast has been super serious up until this point. And you are playing on behalf of Paula. Paula and Len are tied with two. OG's one behind with one. And that means, OG, you get to decide if you go first, middle, or last. I thought the guest always gets to pick. (laughs) But she's playing as Paula now. Oh, she's just pretending to be Paula. Yes. So, okay. I mean, well, I'm I have gonna go, I'm going to go last, hair. of course. Try and keep up here, OG, would you? This wouldn't be fun yeah. if we didn't change the damn rule every week. I know. <laughs> yes. I love it, though. It's like Nick Saban's basketball game. He's always in charge, and he always just makes the rules. He gets to call the fouls. He always wins. Weird. Hmm. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. His basketball I'm game? I'm sorry that you can't keep track of contemporary sports information that's not my fault but that's all right so i choose last nick saban's nick Nick saban's basketball game did i i didn't stutter did i did anybody else hear me stutter i said nick saban's basketball game right i thought he was a football guy i did too he's a football guy all All y'all in alabama know exactly what i'm talking about nick saban's basketball game thank you very much (laughs) <laughs> and the other rest of the country does too. So. Well, Len literally lives under a rock, so it's no surprise that he doesn't know what's going on. Oh. Good point. Oh my gosh. It's okay, Joe. It's all right. I'm very, I'm very uh, with the times. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I choose last. Oh, Back good. To the that, that's all I needed. The commentary I said it six was times. beautiful. Oh my gosh. We're out of time. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's of the- and that's a wrap. Da 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 da. I'm exhausted from that. 
Uh, Gwen, do you want to go first or in the middle? I'll go first. All right. And that means, Len, guess what that means? You're going second. All right. So uh, the original iPhone, what date? All right. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm at a disadvantage because I was like in elementary school when this happened. But uh, I'm going to go with like mm, July of 2001. July 2001. And by the way, it, was that a was that an old guy joke right there? You're in a, <laughs> you're at a disadvantage Me? because you were. What are you implying about the rest of us? I was just stating that I happened to be young at this particular point in history. <laughs> I wasn't implying anything. It's strange how that worked. Len Penzo. Nothing at all. July 2001. Gwen, are you going to give a day? No, no, no. Just month and year. He said month. He said month, he said and, month year. and year. Yeah. Okay. You how about? Right. <laughs> Oh, he did say iPhone. Do you want to change your your change your vote, Gwen? Yeah, okay, I'm going to change my vote. Uh, I'm going to push it back to uh, let's say 2006, July of 2006. July 2006. Len, what do you All think? Right. So, so what are they on? Are they on iPhone? What right now? X. Ten. X. Yeah, Eight. X. And let's see, this is 2018. But they skipped nine, and then there's several that they just used the same number but put an S next to. Hmm. I think the second one was iPhone three. I don't even know why. Okay, so let's see. Let's uh, ten. You think there's seven? I'm gonna say two thousand. Oh, month. Let's go with. Uh, they're probably gonna release it in the spring. So I'll say April, and I'll say two thousand and four. April 2004. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's not close either. So I have a question. I have a clarifying question before I make my triumphant answer. Is this when they announced the iPhone release or when it hit the shelves? This is, this is when it was released. Available for purchase. Yes. Okay. Because Gwen or Glenn said, (laughs) July of 06. I, I I believe that the real answer is October of 06, but I may be off by a little while, but I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say August of 06 because it's Price of the Right style. So (laughs) just that's rude. Congratulations. Totally rude. Unless you got the exact month. Unless it's 05. OG just completely. Yeah. Whammied you. All right, Doug. Yeah. $1. What's our answer, Doug? Hey there, trivia fans. Welcome back. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And who knew how easy it would be to collect rotary phones? People are literally giving them away. Isn't this how zillionaires are made? Yeah. Finding the trend before anyone else? That's this guy. Well, I don't want to quit my job just yet. So let's jump into today's trivia. Here was the question. In what month and year was the first iPhone released? The answer? 11 short years ago, the first iPhone debuted today in 2007, June 29th. Did you nail it? Kudos to you if you did. I'd offer you a rotary phone for your win, but these babies are going to be priceless. See ya. Dang it. I was a year off. I was good, though. It was summer. You were right there. Maria. I was afraid yeah, you were going to say, I was afraid Gwen, you were going to say July, 2007 and miss it by a month. Oh, so you've been over. Then you would have been wrong. Yeah. Alas. Alas. Congratulations. OG. How do you feel? Thank you. I feel like the winner that I am in real life. <laughs> now all three of us are tied. That's right. How does it feel being, being tied with these guys, Gwen? I feel good. I feel That's... good. A little hurtful that he whammy me on that, huh? but. Oh, seven. Yeah, he did it. uh, He did it the bad way. Oh, oh, oh. Looks like someone needs help. All three of those O's are sponsored by. Smart, simple 401k management. If you've got a 401k, you know how frustrating it is deciding what to invest in without professional help. Now there's a better way to grow your 401k because. 
Bloom. With three O's is a simple, smart, and affordable way to grow your 401. Their pricing's $10 a month, regardless of your account size. They link to your existing 401k, so you don't have to move your money. They're a completely independent advisor, so you know you're getting unbiased expert investment advice. They also offer a free analysis tool, so you can see the impact they can make on your 401k even before you pay. It's one of the fastest growing robo advisors fighting for your right to retire. You got to fight for your right. For your right. To retire. Oh, that's bad. Blue monitors your account and adjusts as needed, making sure your funds stay balanced and you keep on track with your goals as you get older. OG, you and I did a story maybe what, a few shows ago about half of the people out there with 401ks invest in a single target date fund. Mm-hmm. And most target date funds. Absolutely. Yeah, they suck. Absolutely suck. suck. So Bloom is so simple. In fact, the hardest part about this is remembering there's three O's in the word Bloom. Go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SB. <laughs> you were so close. I, did you hear me? I, I kind of said SB. It was Bloom. D- don't doubt it, man. Don't doubt it. <laughs> Bloom. Go there you go. And enter promo it- code. SB for your first month free and see the difference bloom could make in your retirement. And today we're answering a bloom call from help from our new BFF, Ryan. Say hi, Ryan. Hey, Joe and OG, not usually the type of guy to seek out advice from two guys working out of their mom's basement. Yet here I am. (laughs) Anyway, I have a question about saving strategy. Wait a minute. Before we get to that, Sound effects and everything, really? Like to pro- I mean, like you can hear the click where he's like, pause, click, sound effects. The production was- values on this bloom call for help are incredible. I bet he did that in, in fewer takes than we did. We do <laughs> <Way> this show. <laughs> we fix this whole thing in post-production. <laughs> Ryan gets it right then right from the start. All right, Ryan, back to you. I'm in my early 30s and already have several savings vehicles already in place a fully funded emergency fund, an HSA I contribute to weekly, and a Roth and traditional 401k through my employer. I contribute 6% to each, and my employer matches 2% on both. On the side, I also have a taxable brokerage account, which I put in about 8% annually too. All in all, I probably save roughly 20% of my income between all of those. I really don't have any debt. My credit cards are paid in full every month, and my other than my mortgage and my car lease payments, that's really it. I work in retail sales, and my income is 100% commission. So as you might imagine, paychecks can swing pretty wildly. Right now, things are going great, but in the back of my mind, I know that the good times just won't go on forever. My question is this. Should I put my focus on contributing to my taxable brokerage account first and then my 401ks? maybe backing down my contributions to them, or vice versa. I'm a little nervous to not have that money accessible in case things take a turn for the worse. My goal, like the rest of us, is financial independence, so I don't have to worry about things like this. Your guidance is always appreciated. Thanks for the question, Ryan. An incredible sound effects again. That was truly great. Anybody that includes the crickets after their joke, we could do that like 50 (laughs) times a podcast on ours. Gwen, what do you think? Should he go with his taxable? he was in the woods. <laughs> so he probably was. Uh, Gwen, does he go with his taxable brokerage, 401k? What do you think? Well, I think there's a lot of variables that he didn't mention, but just off what he gave us, I'd say probably put more into his taxable account if he's really worried about fluctuating income or income drying up. But do you think, Len, if you put more money into that brokerage account where you can get your money, right? There's no tax consequences to get it. You're more likely to find an emergency where you just need to touch it. I don't think so. I think somebody who works on a variable income uh, like Ryan and, and it was Ryan, right? Yeah. And uh, I think he understands the ramifications of that. And he said he already has his emergency fund. I'm curious to know how big his emergency fund is. I know if I were, was in his position, I would make sure I had enough money in my emergency fund for an enti- to handle an entire year's expenses when you have a you know a highly variable income that's just how i am because i'm extremely risk adverse as i say from my bunker here but, uh, but 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 yeah i just um it's a scary thing because think about it i mean if 
it, you don't know how long sometimes things can go dry and you'd hate to like lose your home and, and everything just because you went through a dry spell. So, uh, yeah, I would put your, make sure you have a big, uh, emergency fund and then put your other savings towards the, uh, the, uh, non 401 k stuff. That's what I would do first. You think you should put some rations in the bunker too, Len? <laughs> yeah. Stock yeah, up on yeah. water? Buy some uh, freeze-dried food and, and all that too. Yeah. Oh, gee. MREs are sel- shelf-stable for ages. There you go. Heard that. <laughs> OG, what are you thinking? A couple of things. I like the extra cash reserve piece. Um, I'm with you on that one, Len. If you uh, are in a job that has great variable income, up to and including zero, then then I would definitely make sure that I've got an above average cash reserve. That being said, I, I don't know that I would put extra money in the brokerage account. What Ryan needs to work on is divorcing himself from his income. And so with variable compensation, what you want to do is you want to just baseline your expenses and savings plan irrespective. Is that a word? And heretofore. They're, they're, they're unto pertaining. Uh, uh, <laughs> Can you say that slower? I am having trouble following big words tonight. No yes. idea. Yes. You, you think he knows what he's talking you about, div- Gwen? You want to divorce yourself? <laughs> We'd say this every week. It's like that uh, bit from old school. Um, you want to divorce yourself from your income because, and the way you do that is you just have your paycheck go into your savings account and you pay yourself every Friday or every other Friday or whatever you want to do a regular salary. And so you, you won't feel those ups and downs in your cash flow because you're getting that same thousand bucks every Friday, yeah. you know, and if you make 120,000 this year, fine. If you make $48,000 next year, fine. You're still getting a thousand, you know, and having that extra cash reserve will help. The danger, I think to your point, Joe, of, of putting the money in the brokerage account is manufacturing an emergency. And if you've got that money that's there, let's say the worst does happen, right? Gets laid off. The economy takes a crap. You know, now we look for a job, but I got all this nice, this big pile of money I can rely on. What's my motivation necessarily to go out and hustle to try to get something else? Maybe not as great as it might be if all this money's locked up in my 401k. So how does he fight against that, Gwen? Uh, by hustling his butt off. That I have to pretend that my brokerage account isn't there because right now I'm getting down to my last like $4,000 and I got a nice chunk of change to me sitting in my brokerage account and I having to fiercely pretend that it's not there, you know, it's a cushion. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say kind of under there too, is like, you're somebody I know that has your goals right in front of you all the time and touching that money is going to totally go against what Gwen's goals are all about. Am I putting words in your mouth? No, no, (laughs) barely. Just maybe a little, maybe small words. Yeah. Uh, uh, Well, much smaller words than OG puts it. Holy cow. (laughs) Serendipitously. Your, <laughs> he's got no idea. He's got yeah, no, idea. no idea. I don't know what that meant. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Ryan. If you've got a question for the show, uh, head to stackybenjamins.com and at the top of the page, you'll see questions. Click that link and you'll see all the ways you can interface with the show. And thanks to Bloom for helping us do the Bloom call for help. Uh, guys, that's going to do it, man. Stick a fork in this show. We are done. Len Penzo, what's going on at the cryptically titled lenpenzo.com? Hey, I've got uh, John Steiner from uh, 20-something Investor. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he is participating in my uh, $40,000, guess you call it challenge. He shows how he lives on less than $40,000 a year. So uh, awesome. stop on by lenpenzo.com. He's got it all laid out. Fantastic. And uh, OG, what are you up to? These days, not the $40,000 challenge. <laughs> I could make that in a month. Like try to live under 40,000 a month. That would be my goal. I would win that one. <laughs> That's quite a challenge. I won. <laughs> I win. I win. Uh, what's going on? So uh, nothing. It's summer. Kids are home. You know, we're uh, going back and forth to uh, northern Michigan. Well, I'm not. I'm going back and forth. The kids are going to northern Michigan. Fourth of July coming up. And, you know, it's... Uh, Hot in Texas, so we get the hell out of here. Gwen, thanks a ton for bringing the property values up today. Thank you. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> please come back. Just don't put that spike into your spreadsheets. <laughs>
that spike. <laughs> the, the spike of the spike, spike of property, property value. Oh, yeah, there what? it goes. Okay, this is a dangling Whoa. modifier. We we're trying to figure out. We're, we're just like a bunch of old dudes here. We thought that was another really- Len Penzo joke. Like, yeah. I just, what the dangling over, modifier? Way over my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that. Oh yeah, boy. don't put the uh, don't put the spike in property yeah. values in your asset spreadsheet. Now I yeah. got you. Zillow well, numbers are bullcrap. Yeah. Hey, hey, Gwen, I got to bring something up. Back at the beginning of the show, you were you were mentioning how when you're younger, you know, the, the trick is knowing how much is enough. You know, when you're to retire. But let me tell you, old guys like me, the older you get, the easier it is to know how much is enough because you don't have as long to live. So, you know, just you don't need as much. Well, when I become <laughs> an old guy, I'll take that into heart. <laughs> when you turn into an old, angry man, <laughs> yeah. you will totally get off, like, get off of my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> get out of my bunker. Gwen, tell us what's going on at the Fire Drill Podcast. Please help. Yeah, we've got a variety of interesting guests coming up, so uh, pretty excited to share that with the world and uh, keep talking to cool people and sharing the knowledge. Awesome. And uh, you can listen to the Fire Drill podcast anywhere, right? Wherever fire podcasts are sold. Yes. And just hit up Doug for five bucks on the way out and he'll subscribe to yours too. <laughs> Including the new Google Play podcast app, which was released if you didn't see that. I did not see that. It's about time, cool. by the way. Thank you, Google, for finally getting in the game. Welcome to, what year was the iPhone released? 2007? 2007. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to 2007, Google. Glad you could make it. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. Sure thing, Joe. Why don't you get back to ironing your acid wash jean jacket? I'll tell everybody what we should have learned today. First, failure isn't failure unless you don't learn from it. Consider failing a science experiment. Now you know one way not to reach your goal and keep swinging. Second, old life insurance policies that are about to lapse laying around? Check out a company like Mason to make money where you thought there was none. That could be a nice windfall. But the big lesson? Don't tell Joe's mom that you're ordering hundreds of rotary phones online before you actually do it. Someone isn't as much of a visionary as she is a stick in the mud. Special thanks to Gwen Mertz for joining us today. You'll find her podcast, The Fire Drill, wherever you're listening to this show. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm a lot deeper than you realize. In fact, sometimes I just stand in front of my mirror and reflect. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. Gwen, this is a part of the show that doesn't exist, so we don't talk about it. Ooh, we don't exist. If you have to talk about it, which from time to time, somebody just decides they have to talk about it. Spoiler sports. Yes. You you uh, have to refer to it as dessert. Refer to it as dessert. So It is pretty sweet. I saw this piece... <laughs> 
<laughs> She's on fire. She's here all week, folks. Tip for weight stuff. Uh, I saw this piece all over the place. This is in the International Business Times, but it was in just about every major publication. I don't know if you guys saw this, but this is by Alex Perry. Man calls police to have them test the meth he bought and gets arrested. A Florida man was arrested <laughs> after he called the wrong people to ask him to have some bad drugs he purchased tested for quality. Douglas Peter Kelly allegedly called the Putnam County Sheriff's Office in Florida and asked police to make sure some methamphetamine he bought was up to snuff. <laughs> Since meth is illegal, he was arrested. He was pretty sure somebody sold him some subpar <laughs> stuff. So who's got the testing equipment? The cops do. It makes total sense to me. Why? Why wouldn't you do that? I love that. I, I love, love that story. I was thinking there's plenty of these out there. Some great bad actor stories. Gwen, you got a uh, great criminal story like this one? I do have a great criminal story. Actually, I was talking to uh, this guy who lives in Las Vegas, and he told me the story about a counterfeiter who made up some crisp fake new bills and then went to the casino and played some slots and put the fake money in the slots, played a little bit, and then took good money out. And they caught him. And he was like, how'd you catch me? Well, you know, when you're in Vegas and you have membership cards that you can put in and rack up the the points. So he got a steak dinner from his membership points, but then found out that they had tracked him based on the, the cards that he had put in the machine. He puts the fake money and then claims it. With his you gotta membership. get your points, man. <laughs> gotta get the points. Gotta, gotta have that points. lobster dinner. Yes. That's so uh, awesome. Len? Well, this is more of a, this, this, I've already shared that I've been a subject of two armed robberies, but what I don't think I went into the total detail of one of the robberies, the one where I was uh, 16 in the grocery store box boy, I think I've shared that with, with you guys. And these were bad hombres. These guys were murderers. Um, they came in with sawed off shotguns and the ski masks. Well, they took off after they were done robbing the store. And they jumped in the car, the getaway car, and they tore off. Well, it just so happens that I, I find this out after the fact. Around the corner of the parking lot, they had a second car. So, you know, they were going to be clever and change cars. You know, so you didn't see the getaway car. They're driving this. So they, they dumped that right away, and then they get into the other one. Well, it just so happened that one of the criminals, when he jumped into the back seat of the car, he threw the sawed-off shotgun. I, I swear this is true. He threw the gun into the car, and the gun went off, and seriously, it blew off one of his testicles, which was oh. left on the street. <laughs> oh. Which was left on the street, and they took off. Go back to pick that up. Oh. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know if he knew it was missing at the time, but yes. So, <laughs> no, I'm uh, pretty sure you'd notice if it was missing. <laughs> Not well, an I was expert say- in shooting off one's testicles, but I'm... I'm imagining I would notice that there was a something missing. You yeah. know, I was going to say being a criminal takes a lot of balls, but <laughs> missing one. I was going to say takes, apparently only takes one ball. <laughs> I was going to say he'd be nuts to go back and get it, but yeah, <laughs> this case he'd be nut to go back and get it. I guess. Dang. <laughs> so bad. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, gee. How yeah. about you? My favorite story is the one of, I think this was a Metro Detroit thing, although I suspect that they've probably done it everywhere, keeping with the theme that most criminals are not the most intelligent individuals. They had this big uh, sting that was going on the police department. They had all these criminals that had arrest warrants and stuff, and they just didn't have the manpower to go out and you know, execute all these warrants day in and day out. It would just, you know, because it takes a lot. You got to surveil the target and then find a good opportunity so there's not a big risk to civilians and the officers and all that stuff. And so somebody comes up with this idea to send a postcard to all the criminals that say that they want a free TV and they just have to show up at this hotel to pick up their free TV. And so all these guys are showing up one right after another. And, uh, you know, going, yeah, I'm here for the uh, free TV. And they're like, sure. Uh, what's your name? You know, I'm Bob Smith. Okay, Bob, do you ever got a uh, driver's license? You know, just need that for your identification. Yep. And just sign right here that you're Bob Smith. Okay, cool. You know, walk around that corner. You know, they're all lined up in there and uh, there are a couple of folks in there. I'll be taking out to the car. He walks around the corner and there's the uh, there it is. police officers that, uh, and they're all just 
sitting there on the floor, one right after another with handcuffs on. It's the whole day. People are just walking into the Red Roof Inn trying to get their free TVs. Fish in a barrel. Criminals in a barrel. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's a pretty compelling value proposition. Free <laughs> televisions. If I can get my so. free TV. Better than having to beat somebody up for it on uh, Black Friday, you know. Mine was in my hometown that I grew up in, Vicksburg, Michigan. And these uh, these these criminals were trying to plan how they were going to rob the first national bank, which was the bank that most people in town banked. It's a little, it's like a two stoplight town. And uh, so they were, they were trying to figure it out. And the big thing they were having trouble with was if they went inside like the whole getaway car and all this stuff. So they came up with an ingenious idea, like the world's best criminal minds had never thought of this before. They didn't go inside. Instead, they drove up to the drive-thru and they said, we have guns, give us all your money. And they put it in the little drawer that went in. And the woman sees the the hoop. The woman sees the drawer and she looks shocked and she looks out and the guys give her like a serious and kind of (laughs) put their- Yeah, we are here. We got them. Yes. And they put their arms up. And what they don't know is there's bulletproof glass between them and her. So she- pretends like she's getting money together. She hits the little button underneath the underneath the counter. And just for the next 15 minutes while the cops get there, she's just stacking the bills higher and higher, getting ready to push them out as these two morons sit in the drive through lane waiting to get their payout. Just brilliant. That one, by the way, you know, they used to have, maybe they still do late night. They would have those dumb criminal shows, you know, like dumb syndicated TV. Those guys made made that show. We were very proud in town. We were incredibly proud. Yeah. Hey, you know what I don't like, Joe? What's up? I, I don't like seeing when senior citizens with insurance policies, these senior citizens are collapsing. What do you mean? <laughs> terrible joke. <laughs> Nobody wanted to laugh at it because it's so bad. All right. Did it take you like all 11 minutes of that intro to come up with? Oh my God. It's see the smoke. Don't hurt yourself, dude. I saw the smoke coming out of your ears. The wheels are grinding. Is that what that really weird squeaky noise was? That's, that's Len's brain. The hamster getting a workout. I saw Joe looking like, what the hell did you just say? Joe had that look on his face. <laughs> the hamsters telling Len, "We're cooking up a good one." It's like it's like the it's like the Homer like thought bubble, right? It's like, shut up, brain. I've got. I that. thought it was very good. <laughs> I hope so. I think you did. You laughed the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning. Because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.